Alina off Nagy's glove into center field. The Florida Marlins have won the World Series. Spins, throws, he got him! A perfect game for Roy Halladay! 27 up and 27 down! Behind the bag, it gets through Buckner! for the Nationals in the first game in their beautiful new ballpark. Left center field, Grissom on the run. The team of the 90s has its world championship. Hello everyone, welcome to You Gotta Believe, the By The Men NL East podcast. We're here on Thursday, we're here every week to talk about the previous week in the National League East. I am Jody Jameson, I support the Philadelphia Phillies. I'm Thomas Ross, I support the New York Mets. And yeah, so we will get into talking about the results of the teams the past few weeks, but we'll start with a wee bit of news first. Um, came out on, I believe, Monday, may have been Tuesday, uh, that Philly's centre fielder, Odubel Herrera, was arrested uh, with a potential domestic abuse charge um, to do with his uh, girlfriend. And... I'm sure there's a lot of things that a lot of people want to say about this one. I've got a few things I would like to say, but uh, Thomas, obviously, like this has been a thing that's been kind of creeping into baseball the last few years. Um, I know I'm not going to be like, what's your opinion on it? Because our opinion is obviously it's wrong. But uh, what's your takeaway for this incident? And what do you think the Phillies are going to do to handle it? Uh, well, I, I guess I always feel quite awkward about these sort of things. I think because... I think the Mets have had a couple in the last few years with Familia and Reyes, I think they've had. And um, obviously there's Aroldis Chapman, I think. Uh, and I guess the most serious one was Addison Russell. It was um, also, um, last year was uh, Osuna, remember? Osuna, yeah. Cause that was, a that was quite that was quite a bad one as well. Yeah. I mean, it was. I guess my sort of issue is, I don't know, I, I guess I'm a bit old-fashioned in the sense that I don't, uh, particularly like sporting organisations getting involved in things that the um, you know that the police should be handling really like it's you know you you even if like I know more than likely maybe they're guilty in that but it's uh, and there's obviously there's um, what do you know eyewitnesses and such but I guess I've always found it a little bit especially like in, I think like in football I think wasn't there an incident with like say, I think it was John Terry, and he was found not guilty of racism or something by the police or something. And he, but the FA decided he was guilty and banned him anyway or something. So it was, it's just that sort of precedent. I just want, just hope it doesn't get taken too far. Like, make, say this doesn't go anywhere in court, but he still gets banned for however long, thirty games or whatever it is. Um, I guess I just. Don't know where the, 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 to draw the line, really, because I usually don't really like sport getting involved in this sort of um, thing. And I'd like maybe say the Phillies give him a break, you know, whilst this is all being. I'd say maybe give him a 10, 20 game rest or something like that, just whilst it all calms down. But it's difficult. I don't think there's any right answer really with this. And as I said, I'm a bit wary about involving, you know, the police and sport in the same same. Uh, breath really because I, I just think they should be left two separate um jobs at corner to a better word really so it's yeah and i'm rambling a bit but it's just a little hard just to know what the right answer 
Yeah, I get, I get, I get where you're coming from. The problem, the problem I've got, and obviously this comes from being uh, an NFL fan as well, where there's been far too many instances of this. One of the things that I really hate about this is that um, players, players who do things like this, tend to always come out of it. I'm not going to say smelling of roses, but they always seem to come out of it in like a in like a much better situation than they should. And that that's what really bothers me. Yeah, like they will sit down for a few games or whatever. Sometimes they'll even get released by their teams. But you get to this situation where these guys end up just, you know, they they, they end up just in this situation where their 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 situation is vastly better than uh, what it was before it happened. Like for example, like a guy like Odubel Herrera. Um, let's let's just say that he gets found guilty. He gets say an eighty game ban by uh, Rob Manfred, and the Phillies decide screw this and release him. I think he's got like twenty million left on his deal, which for a guy like him really isn't bad. Uh, but if he hits the free agent market, he's going to get more money. So, like, there's a part of me that's a little bit, um, you know, there's a there's a, a little bit uncomfortable about that whole situation. And I, I mean, I've always been one of these things that like. I have like a, a very zero tolerance policy on uh, stuff like this, and I'm not. I'm not. I'm not saying anybody else doesn't. I'm just saying that you know, I think that uh, too often we can sort of shy away from it and not really want to do anything about it. Uh, the, and the other thing for me as well is that, like, I'll be honest. If if he's if he's found guilty, I don't really want to see him play for the Phillies again. I'm really, really sick of um, you know. Yeah, like we, you know, we we get a situation where like this this situation gets dealt with out of sport, but then you either end up in that situation where you um you 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 keep the guy and you play him, or you release him and he goes and gets a better deal somewhere else and might come back to hurt you. And I just don't like that balance. You know what I mean? And I and, I, and I'm not saying that like it like. <sighs> It's it's very very hard to say like you know you hit a woman once you should never be allowed to play baseball again. But I think that like the way that baseball and uh, more particularly the NFL, but baseball more recently have handled these kind of situations. I'm not saying it is exacerbating or causing it to happen more, but I think they could be doing more to um, really do something about this. And I think that they really haven't done enough so far. So for me, um, I think it's. I think it's something that baseball needs to be involved in, and I think that it's something that baseball needs to do to ensure that there are there are real punishments for stuff like this, and it's not just a slap on the wrist because too often that's been the scenario. Now, uh, this is this has got nothing to do with anything when it comes to um, when it comes to um, this situation, but like something that's really been annoying me um, about about baseball and it's not just Odubel Herrera right there are there are other scenarios uh, when it comes to this right um and Yasiel Puig's a decent example of this right that like there is like this bubbling underlying uh, sense of like essentially racism right against guys like this right and I'm not talking about the court case when I say this I'm talking about the way that fans talk about them if if you're a black guy who's a wee bit flamboyant right you have like very little um you have very little margin for error right in the in the court of public opinion and that's starting to really really bother me because i see situations like this right and to be honest a lot of the feedback i'm seeing is from phillies fans being like essentially slapping themselves on the back for always thinking oh double herrera was a piece of shit and like it just really it really really annoys me this 
underlying sort of like it's not it's not racism but it's like very very casual and it's starting to bother me to be honest that like i'm seeing these these people uh who are who are baseball fans who are essentially like applauding themselves for hating this guy because he's a bit flamboyant while black and it just really really bothers me that um i'm seeing so many people like essentially saying that oh we always knew he was a scumbag this and that whereas you would like you have you have a white player who plays like Odubel Herrera, plays like Yasiel Puig, plays like someone like that. They would never, ever, ever have the same reaction that Odubel's got the last few weeks. Not to uh, last few days, sorry, not to uh, defend him in any way, but it's just something I've observed uh, over the past uh, few years while stuff like this has been going on. And I think that as people, we need to be better about that. But um, like some people might be offended about me talking about that, but. At the end of the day, I think it's important to uh, cover these things, and I think it's important to talk about what's really going on um, in baseball, whether it's directly involved uh, or not. And I think it's always good to have a nuanced opinion. I don't, I don't um, have any sense of forgiveness for Odubel Herrera if he's found guilty, but I think it's worth pointing out observations that we've had. Feel free to disagree with me on any of that if you like. Well, that was uh, that was quite passionate. Well done. Um... But yeah, I, I know what you mean. I mean, we have it. I mean, I just want to add. I mean, we're not. We shouldn't uh, to any listeners. Um, listen, we should not get. Uh, not that I think you were, but I, you know, we shouldn't. Uh, we should add the fact that there's obviously a problem growing in our country, certainly with regards to the media about. Oh, without question, without question. Players. I mean, most specifically, people like Raheem Sterling, and especially who gets a rough, rough road from the press. Um, like, like for example, like you know how you know, doing basically the same thing, like spoiling your mum buying your mum a house. I think him and a teammate, like the, the Phil Foden, I think it was, he bought his mum a house and he was lauded as being the great thing that it was. Sterling did it, and it was, and it was, um, you know, a black player, and he was sort of he uh, was spun as you know as a black guy, young kid having too much money. You yeah, know, it's it, it's uh, it's crazy, so isn't it? Like. I'll I'll say about Raheem Sterling, like I don't care about Manchester City, but every time Raheem Sterling does something good for Manchester City, I know it's upsetting the Daily Mail, and that makes me happy. Yeah, there, that is a nice positive spin to have on this, I guess. But um, uh, yeah, it, it's it's a tough one. I mean, it's not something I've observed, but um, it doesn't surprise me. Uh, I got to admit, it's a society that's sort of maybe that we're living in right now, and. It's, I guess we just have to wait and wait and see. I guess. I mean, it, it's um, it's it it is difficult. I mean, the Phillies are in a horrible situation, really. Um, yeah, that that's that's definitely true. Yeah, and I don't. I think they they're they're sort of between a rock and a hard place. I think whatever they do, they're going to piss off some people. Yeah, you know, and just look at the way you know, like the Cubs have reacted to Addison Russell. Um, even the, the, its own Twitter page, a, a Cubs fan said, um, I heard a Cubs fan talking recently, and he was saying that the main Twitter page for the Cubs, um, he hit a home run, and it didn't acknowledge that it was Russell. It just said, we we got a home run at the top of the seventh, and that was it, or something like that. They didn't acknowledge that it was Russell. So it was, um, and I know it's based, and that's polarized straight down the middle whether uh, with, with the Cubs fans over Russell, apparently. So it's, it's going to be what it says. Whatever happens, it's going to it's going to be annoy probably a lot of people. So it's um, 
there's no right or wrong way, I think, for the Phillies to go about this. I think there's a right, maybe a right way for the MLB to handle it, but it's, it, it, it's, it's a hard, it's, it's a harder, uh, it's just hard. I mean, it, it said it's a very touchy subject. I mean, we shouldn't, I mean, I can't get, as I said, I can't get high and mighty because my team's being caught out like this as well with, with players. So it, it's, um, it's, it's hard for the Phillies. It's hard for whoever the alleged victim it's It's, it's hard for whoever has to make a decision by MLB, it's going to be hard for the police to do this in their own in the spotlight, I guess. Um, yeah, it's I think it's just one to, to look out for for the next few weeks. I just think it'll be best if he doesn't play. I mean, I think he's on the suspended list anyway, isn't he? So. Yeah, he's on, he's on administrative leave, as they call it. And I'm not suggesting there's any easy answers here, but I'm, I just wanted to give my opinion because uh, yeah, I think that... Not that I think my opinion's important, but I think it's important to not gloss over stuff like this. And I think it's really, really easy um, talking about sports to just kind of pretend this type of thing isn't happening. Um, and like too often, um, too often it can be easily ignored. And I, I, I'm uncomfortable with that. So I wanted to, I wanted to talk about it and open the show with it. Uh, this is this is nothing to do with the National League uh, East, but you did mention um, the Addison Russell thing, um, and it got me thinking about obviously last night with the Cubs. Um, Albert Almora's foul ball. Um, one of the um, one of the scariest uh, things that um, we've seen in a ballpark. He had a foul ball uh, coming off the bat, an absolute screamer, and it hit a really young girl in the stand. Um, and I think that, like, from everything I see, I think the girl's okay, and she's going to be okay, but it was a really, really scary moment, and in a weird way, like, the positive that came out of it was that, like, um, Albert Armora's just human reaction to it was just, like, quite emotional, to be honest, and I think that, like, it's weird. I think it's like I'm not going to say it's a good thing at all because obviously, like it's an it's a bad thing that happened. But um, it's 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 sometimes nice to be reminded that like these people are human. We 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 can be so bad for talking about um, you know sports figures like cattle almost. But like uh, I just really wanted to give a shout out to Albert Almora Jr. after last night who. I think went up in a lot of people's estimation just by being a human being and being just because uh, by the looks of it, when he went over, um, like it sounded like, and I'm, I'm not hundred percent sure on this, but it sounded like when he spoke to the security guard near when it happened and um, the security guard wa- was like, she's okay. Um, everything's going to be fine. And he just broke down in tears and was uh, essentially crying on the shoulder of the security guard, which I thought was a really, really nice moment. And um, like I just like like no other reason to bring this up other than the fact that I just wanted to give Albert Armora Junior a shout out for just being a really good guy. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I said I've, I've only seen the picture of it. I actually haven't seen the play yet, but um, it was uh, yeah, it sounded sounded horrible. And we you know we need to. I mean, where did it? I presume it happened like you know quite close in foul territory. Yeah, just missed the netting on the uh, third base line. Um, I don't. I, I don't think there's. I don't think there's an angle of the ball going into the into the crowd. Uh, if there is, I don't need to see it. I won't lie. But um, like 
when you when you actually watch the thing, you just see them smash it foul. The ball goes off screen, and then they don't really show you a shot of the crowd. They just show you a shot of like Almora's reaction, and then everybody else's reaction. Just that you know that way when it's like something happens, and they do everything they yeah. can to not not film it. And in some ways, that can be uh, for a viewer anyway. That can be just as scary, to be honest. And it was. Um, Watch it, watching the clip of that replay where like the the, the announcers kind of go silent. It's it, it was just a really really bad situation, but um, fingers crossed that everything's good with uh, the young girl. And yeah, like Albert Amora covered himself in glory yesterday, um, after a re- potentially tragic incident. So um, yeah, definite shout out to him. Yeah. So. Uh, let's do something stupid, right? Um, okay, so uh, we had um, a really, really interesting... Uh, no, not us, but I saw a really, really interesting Twitter exchange uh, during the week uh, with Keith Hernandez and um, some yoga instructor who was quite pretty. And uh, Keith Hernandez just decided that, you know... Um, I'll give you this is this is off Barstool Sports, and I'm just going to give you the headline. Keith Hernandez, aka the horniest man on Twitter, doesn't believe in DMs. Spits game out to married yoga instructor right out in the open. So there's just a Twitter exchange um, where he's just flirting with this girl, um, and they're essentially like um, she she mentions that like um, she went to his last book signing and. Um, he said, uh, and Keith Hernandez basically said, I remember you. Why don't we text? Social media has me leery. Here's my cell, right? So he decided instead of sliding into our DMs, like, you know, most famous people would do in a situation like that, he's posted his phone number on social media on Twitter. And obviously he's deleted it, but I do have the screenshot and I want to phone him. All right. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to phone him and I'm just going to like I'm going to tell him a total lie Um, I'm going to tell him that I had his number passed on and uh, said he might be interested in coming to do the podcast and then we'll just chat to him and see what happens I that is in the sort of like two percent chance that he actually answers the phone I'm assuming that that's not going to happen but I have his phone number here so fuck it we may get some podcast gold at the moment so let me just pop this in and let's phone Keith Hernandez and see what happens let me just double check that I've got the right number I'm not going to read it out or even type it out on air because, you know, um, I mean, if you want, if you really want to find it, you can find it. But uh, <laughs> at the same time, uh, let's not do that. So, yeah, let's see if Keith can. The number you dialed is not a working number. Please check the number and dial again. Oh, Keith's wise to it now. He's changed his number. What a bastard! That was a, that was an anticlimax. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was, I'm go, I, like I was wondering if that was possible because um, I think that <laughs> I think that it's one of those things where like we are obviously not the first people to come up with that. But I thought, screw it, let's phone him. Uh, and and, and I, have to, I have decided that if any shit like that ever happens again, if they've got anything to do with the NL East, we're going to call them. Keith Hernandez was first, and obviously he's changed his number, so that's disappointing. But uh, yeah, I just thought the story was really funny, and I, uh, I love Keith Hernandez, and I love the Mets. Like we've talked about this, I love the Mets broadcast team, uh, but I couldn't let that one slide. So I thought we'll give him a try. I think it happened on Saturday or Sunday, so I thought it's quite unlikely. But uh, 
I thought we'd try. So, <laughs> yeah, a bit more of an anticlimax. I was hoping I would at least go to his uh, voicemail so you would at least know that I actually did phone that number, but uh, what can you do? So, uh, the National League East, uh, I'm currently watching the Phillies. Uh, they're 2-1 down to the Cardinals. Um, they are looking for the sweep today, which, I'll be honest, I didn't really expect um, in this series. I certainly didn't expect it uh, after Game 1 when Pavetta came back from AAA to promptly ship three runs in the first inning. But it's been a reasonably good week for the Phillies. Um, last week when we did the podcast, we were just talking about them splitting the series in Chicago, which was pretty positive. Um, the weekend series was really, really good. Two wins over the Brewers. Uh, granted, they did get hammered in game three, but shit like that's going to happen every now and then. And uh, taking two of two so far from the Cardinals, well, 2-1 down in the bottom of the fifth uh, today, looking for the sweep. So the Phillies just keep rolling along at the moment. And we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Just give me two of three in every series possible and I will be quite happy. And the Phillies just keep continuing to deliver. And there's been some positive signs recently about certain players, but at the same time, the I think that the lack of depth in the rotation that we talked about way back at the start of the season, and we did talk about the fact that certain guys were pitching well, they were probably pitching over their head, but um, despite the fact that some guys are coming crashing back down the air, things are still looking good for the Phillies. Yeah, certainly, and it's, um, I mean, Arietta's been better last couple of starts after a shaky um, period, but yeah, I mean, what you're talking about, well, pitchers playing above their head. I mean, Jared Eikhoff has come back down to earth rather violently recently. I think he's... Yeah, it has, yeah. He's, pitch, he's pitching today, um, and I haven't watched enough of the game um, to know how he's been pitching, but yeah, he's gone from, how the hell is he doing this to, yeah, this has got a bit... This is this is kind of coming back down to earth with a bang. Yeah, I mean, seven home runs in, I've just counted myself, in 12 innings pitched in, his line, in three games. You know, and that's and 13 runs. Um, in those um, as well, he's he's not walking a great deal, but he's not getting into games. Well, I think these last three starts, he's going to the fourth, the fifth, and the third. Mm-hmm. And he was uh, apart from that. It, I mean, that is nitpicking. Really, that's like the only problem I can see with the Phillies at the moment. And it, it, I mean, Harper's just slowly getting back. I think he's going into this game today. He was like ten for his last twenty-eight, and he's not hitting he w- still for a great deal of power, but. Um, He's yeah, hitting he a lot. He's, he's actually hitting a lot of doubles, but like it's funny. He's like, we. I, I think that like we can. I, I think when it comes to doubles, we can quite often um, class that as hitting for power. Where what he's actually been doing is he's been hitting balls to the outfield, uh, in between the two fielders, not so much to the gap or to the wall that much. There was one yesterday where he kind of dunked one over the second baseman in between the two um, outfielders and just legged out a double. So. Like he did, he did hit a pretty good home run yesterday. But I agree with you; he's he's hitting at the moment, but not for a not for like great power or anything like that. But it's um, it's pleasing to see that his mechanics have come back. So uh, hopefully, he can keep that up for a wee while. Yeah, and um, I mean, I seem to be repeating myself like, every week with this. But McCutcheon just can't start walking at the moment, can he? I mean, it's uh, had a wee look earlier on, and he's nineteen walks over his last thir- in the last thirty days. And the only people with more are Kyle Schwarber and Schwarber and Paul De Young. So yeah, there was, was there, there was a stat that came up on the broadcast a couple of days ago that the top the top three guys for walking in the National League were all Phillies. It was uh, McCutcheon, Hoskins, and Harper. Yeah, 
which is kind of insane. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's just um, virtually every game, really, with the Phillies, it's someone's going to do something. I mean, it, I mean, that's the frightening thing, really. It's just that Real Muto doesn't get you, Hoskins will, if Harper doesn't get you, McCutcheon will. You know, it, uh, it's, um, it's, yeah, it's rather frightening, really. It's just someone's always coming through for Phillies at the moment. You keep it, when, well, in my case, probably hoping, you know, that they go on a bit of a bad run, but you're just not going <laughs> I think um, just not going on any sort of bad run. I think probably what, what was it? Maybe three in a row is probably your worst run. I think um, three defeats in a row. I mean, I think against the Brewers. I think I want to say um, when you played in the first series, but that's about it, really. That's about as uh, as much as you've been knocked about, really. It was, you've been mightily consistent so far. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's a huge amount else to really break down with the Phillies. Nothing is absolutely outstanding, uh, but nothing's too nothing's too bad either. So uh, I just continue to enjoy baseball, and yeah, I'm quite happy. Um, we will we will no doubt have more to say about the Phillies depending on uh, what goes on over the next few weeks. But I think I think to be honest, I don't think it's worth dwelling on the Phillies at the moment because they're just kind of kind of doing what they've been doing the last few weeks and I feel like we would just really be going over um, old stuff. I think the only really notable thing is that um, Harper started to hit and um, if he if he keeps going for a while the way he has been the last few days, then uh, the Phillies could be on a good one. He's got six hits already in this series. Five of them are for extra bases. So um, more of that would be delightful. Uh, we'll, we'll go down the division in order. So we'll go next to the Atlanta Braves. Um, the Braves were on a good run. Um, and they're still not playing badly. But um, the last two games probably are a wee bit of a cause for concern. We'll get to the Nationals later on. But uh, the Braves getting absolutely tonked by the Nationals yesterday was maybe a wee bit concerning. But I think it's one of those weird things where people get really... Uh, they get really hung up on like very short sample sizes and the Braves have pretty got pretty much gone from streaking a bit to then like going like two of two and then dropping two shit like that's going to happen. But I'm sure there'll be more panic that's neat than than's needed for the Braves. But the, the start yesterday <laughs> that they got was obviously a major, major, major concern. Um, I'm trying to remember who started for them, but it was eight runs in the first inning and that was his day. It Gaussman. was uh, Gaussman, yeah, uh, Kevin Gaussman. And, yeah, um, their offense still, again, I feel like we could say the same stuff. Uh, their offense is ticking along nicely. Uh, their pitching is okay, but I think that they're getting good pitching from where they didn't quite expect. And that's that's the weird thing. It's like, I know obviously Freed is a good prospect and we've talked about Freed and obviously like they're good prospects, but I didn't think we expected them to be this good so far. But when you look at Gossman's ERA and the high fives, uh, Fontenevich, been a little bit better recently, but still not been giving them too much. Tehran, okay at best, probably uh, more below average. I think for the Braves' rotation, or certainly for the Braves' success, it comes down to whether... Uh, the young guys come down to earth in the rookie years or if the veterans actually get their shit together. What comes first will really define the brave season for me. Yeah. I think we know I think we know what we're gonna get for their offense. It's a good offense. Yeah, certainly. Although in the past past week it's um I think it's twenty seventh in in runs scored in the past week and twenty sixth in slugging in the past week. But it so it's 
this week's probably been probably one of their worst, really. I mean, they haven't scored many. I think the most that they've scored in the game in the past week is five. I mean, they've won last uh, five games. They've scored five, three, four, four, four. So it's consistent in a way. It's just not blowing them away. I mean, it says they seem to be getting on base at a reasonable clip, but um, like, uh, but you know, Riley's done really well so far. But you know, like, likes of Acuna, he's scuffling a little bit the last couple of weeks. He's not hitting for, and he's only got, I think, five extra base hits in this past 53 at bats, and he's, um, you know, he's only hitting at uh, on base percentage of 322. In the past two weeks, so it's he's scuffling a little bit. Marcakis has just dropped like a stone, and he's eight for his last forty. I mean, admittedly with five walks, but he's on base percentage is below three hundred in the past two weeks. So it's it's very rare to see him. You know, even even if it's only over a couple of weeks, it's uh, he's usually so consistent. But um, I think largely things are fine. I think Fultonavich has picked up the last couple of games. He's um, he's only given up two um, runs in his past two outings, I believe. Yeah. So his, uh, so he... his ERA has dropped below six, having been over eight. <laughs> um, and that's heading in the right direction for them. So, you know, there are positive signs, I think. It's just, I still don't think they've completely lit, lighted up. I keep expecting the Brave with that offense, Braves, I mean, I think they could do a bit like what... Um, Blue Jays were a few years ago when they, when Donaldson himself obviously was there, when they used to put up like 10 plus runs, like at least once a week. And it was a, a look at their offense, and I think they probably should be doing that, really. But they just seem to be scoring these four, five, six. I mean, I mean, when the pitch, when Freed and Soroka and is pitching well, then you'll get wins like that. But if you have horrible outings like Gaussman, you're, well, you're, you're on the back foot immediately and you do well to, do well to get out of that but it's you know there are things to improve on I think for the Braves and I still think we're waiting for them to really catch fire yeah I think so now the other interesting thing about the Braves and the Braves aren't the only team obviously in this but there's been a lot of talk about uh, three guys um, obviously there's been a lot of talk about uh, Dallas Keuchel there's been a lot of talk about um, Craig Kimbrell uh, the likelihood is that those guys will probably be signed in the next week because I think it's June 1st um, where the, the players who uh, had draft picks attached to them it no longer applies, which is a shite rule, to be honest. And there's no reason for Keichel and uh, Kimbrell to be unsigned. But baseball's free agency is broken at the moment, and we've talked about that. But um, the Braves have obviously been heavily linked with both. They have obviously been heavily linked with uh, Madison Bumgarner as well. So I guess the question I'm asking is that if the Braves go out and get two of them, Pick any two. Bumgarner, eh, Kimbrell, Keichel. Does that make them the favourite in the National League East? And does that make them a genuine contender to win the National League? Um, no to the latter, but yes to the uh, former, I'd say. that. I, still, I, still, I don't... I mean, we, we spoke last week that I think pound for pound, they're probably the best team in the NL East. And I don't, I just, I mean, I'm saying, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but Kimbrell is such a good fit for them. And I'm not, and again, not because he's, he originally was from there. Um, but I think he's such a good fit for them. I think, I think Keichel um, would be a, an excellent fit for them as well. And I don't see them training for Bumgarner. I really, really don't. It's uh, Although I think his 
the more he seems to pitch these days, Von Garner, his price is going down. He's not, uh, he's um, having Noah Syndicard style issues at the moment, um, certainly with runners on base. So it's, I think it's more likely they go out and get Kai Quinn Kimbrell. I think they've got, a, from what I can tell, they've not got a huge amount of um, payroll, I don't think. I don't think it's absolutely gargantuan. Certainly, you know, the, the and there are a lot of young players that are on decent contracts, but I think there's a lot of flexibility there, I think, for the Braves to do something. I mean, it's, um, I think they're the best fit, I'd say. I think the Phillies uh, could be interested as well. But um, I think it's more likely they, the Braves will. And yeah, if they do get Keichel and Kimbrell, yeah, I'd say that makes them just favourites for the National League. It's not the favourite for the National League, because I think the Dodgers will... And Dodgers and the Cubs are the two best National League teams to me, but um, it's and the Brewers as well. So there's a lot more to to come, um, really, for any side in this one to win the pennant. But I think, so as we've already said, the Phillies need. I think they need a couple of arms. Um, I think they need two starters and at least one starter, and maybe one or two bullpen arms. Um, so it's. It would be interesting if we finally get an end to this because it's been, I mean, to be honest, I've stopped thinking about it, to be honest, but it would be nice for it to, to end at some point. And um, I do think it's highly likely that both of them end up in the National League East. Yeah, so they are. Um, the Bumgarner thing, he could end up anywhere. I suppose you could say the same, obviously, about Kimbrell and Keiko, but a lot of the... A lot of the talk seems to be about um, Keichel to the Braves and Kimbrel to either the Braves or the Phillies. So uh, we'll need to keep an eye on that one. I'm not saying I think that that would make... I, I, I wasn't suggesting that would make the Braves the favourite for the National League. It's just, you know, wondering if it might. Because um, I, I, I've always been of that opinion where it doesn't matter who you are. If you get to the DS, you give yourself a chance just because it's such short series and weird shit happens every now and then. Like, it's only actually been the last couple of years where I felt like the best teams have actually played the World Series. There's been so many times where, like, there seems an obvious World Series and then one or both doesn't get there. Whereas I felt Astros-Dodgers and um, Dodgers-Red Sox seemed the obvious one last year and it happened. So um, we'll, we'll, we'll obviously wait and see on that one. Uh, your New York Mets had an okay week for the most part. Um, they followed up the four-game sweep in the Nationals by taking two or three off the Tigers. Uh, the only loss was 9-8, so certainly can't complain about the offense in that one. Gone to Dodger Stadium, split the first two games. Nothing wrong with that. Really, really should have won game three, though. Uh, a three-run lead into the ninth, and then Edwin Diaz imploded. Uh, gave up four runs, four earned, only getting one out. So uh, the Mets are your team. I guess I'll give you the floor on this one. What, what are you thinking this week? Um, I just keep thinking about the, the trade um, really when you know we gave up one of our best prospects that we've had in years one that with general scouts uh, consensus is that he's got superstar potential obviously he's only at single A and, we, and we, we shouldn't get too carried away but it's it is hard when sort of reminded of it constantly and when because he has started well but three out of his last four appearances have been a little sketchy I mean he his performance in Game 3 against the Tigers was abysmal, and he possibly got a lucky call on the outside corner um, when it could have been easily a walk and another guy gets on, and the Tigers could have easily beaten us. But um, 
his stuff was, I mean, his, there was no life on his slider that day. And Jock Peterson was coming into after hitting that home run, I think. I think it was Jock Peterson anyway. Today, he he uh, said said to the Dodgers, there's not, no life on his uh, Diaz's pitches at all. So, and it obviously turned out that way. So it's just, I went into this Dodgers series thinking if we could go two and two, then it, it's been an excellent series. But it's obviously, I didn't think I could feel lower about the Mets than it, than it did after the Marlins um, uh, sweep. But this somehow feels worse. Um, just this losing in that manner. Yes, it was against the magnificent side, arguably against maybe the best side of the National League so far this season with with the MVP of the National League within it as well, obviously. So, um, so far. And it's, and again, I guess what's lost in it is that, you know, Pete Alonso adds another two home runs and it's the most, he's on 19 home runs this season, which is the most by a rookie before 1st of June since Mark McGuire. So, <laughs> so he's, um, and the, the Mets rookie record is, um, the home runs is Sparrow Strawberry of 26. So, Providing he stays fit, which knowing the Mets, he'll probably end up, I don't know, <laughs> like Carlos Correa getting injured on a on a massage table. You know, you'll you'll you know you'll have something like that happen to him. You know, so it's I mean he's I mean Alonso, Jeff McNeil, Conforto, they're about the only things to look forward to to watch the, the Mets these days. I mean JD Davis has done probably better than we imagined. Todd Frazier, unfortunately, is still a major league player. You know he's playing a little bit better recently. We were actually hitting brilliantly lately. Yeah. Last two series with, I think like the last couple of weeks, we're, we're well up there in, the, in terms of runs scored this day. And it was, that's what's annoying really, because we should be 2-1 up with the Dodgers with a chance of winning this, winning a, a set in Dodger Stadium. You know, it's, um, we, should, we might still get a 2-2, but then again, it's it's Ryu, I think, who has the best ERA in the National League. Um this year against Jason Vargas, who's actually not pitched too badly recently, but it's um, a dodgy bullpen is about to get um, exposed again because obviously even if Vargas pitches well, he's, not, he's probably not coming out for the sixth. It, he might not even get into the fifth because that's the way Callaway likes to play it. So it's just, um, but yeah, I mean, that just that trade for Diaz and Cano, just, I mean, I didn't like it at the time. I, th- I decided I was going to give it a chance and, you know, two weeks and two months into the season, and it's looking like a terrible deal more and more, really, and just a ridiculous price. But um, it's difficult to see anything to be too. I mean, I guess offensively we're doing okay, but pitching wise, we're just not pitching well. Syndergaard battled last night. The Grom is still battling through things. Wheeler is Wheeler. He's, you know, he's against the Tigers. He was, he started so terribly and inconsistent, but. He, like he often does, if when he gets on a roll, he just really gets onto one. And he pitched beautifully, really. I think he was eight, eight innings of three-run ball, and he was fantastic. But, um, you know, Mats is generally pretty consistent. He's had that one, he only really had one bad outing, obviously, against the Phillies. And he was, um, but everything else is, he's about the only one we can really rely on in the bullpen at the moment. Because it's, um, Diaz has been a little dodgy recently, and Lugo, just when he was getting getting going he gets injured and um but yeah it's just difficult at the moment to see too much positives i mean we've got the odd positive era there but we're just not putting any any sort of streets together at the moment we're very sort of inconsistent we've got a we just look like a 500 team at the moment rather than a 
89 win team. Yeah, that's that's kind of the impression I'm getting for the Mets at the moment is that they are looking like a they are looking exactly like a 500 team at the moment, and it's what it's what it's what somewhat talented 500 teams do is what the Mets are doing at the moment because I think the Mets are a talented team and like you say they should be closer to 89 wins than to 81 this season to be honest but. Uh, they are they are really doing that thing that a lot of these teams do, where they they lose more games that they should win than the other way around. And yeah, like it's not been full on Mets this season in terms of like you know half the roster getting Lyme disease or anything like that. But um, there's been a few Mets things happening recently, and certainly on the field, Edwin Diaz's uh, attempted save yesterday was um, was was one of them. But yeah. Um, I still think that overall it's been a reasonably, reasonably decent week for the Mets, particularly offensively. Uh, there's Bryce Harper getting another double. Uh, he's got two doubles today. Uh, Phillies have second and third with one out. Uh, I like this Bryce Harper, and I hope he stays a wee bit longer than the one we saw last month. Uh, On to the Nationals. It's been an actually really good week for the Nationals. Uh, they've been 5-1 and one over their last uh, six games. They sweep over the... Uh, four-game sweep over the Marlins. Uh, oh, sorry, three or four off the Marlins and uh, taking the first two games against the Braves. In fact, it's only a two-game series against the Braves. And uh, they get the Cincinnati Reds, Chicago White Sox next. So a chance to build on it. Now, we 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 talked last week about how we're sick of the Nationals and we never need to see them again and blah de blah de blah uh, They are uh, starting to turn the corner a little bit, but I'm not ready to get too excited about a team that is still... Eight games under five hundred, still nine and a half back in the division lead. Yeah, but some signs, some signs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean the the bullpen is still having some trouble in that twelve ten game against the Marlins, um, which is a uh, not often not something that I was expecting to say to be honest with the Marlins. It's <laughs> games in there, uh, but um, they um, I think they the bullpen gave up five runs in five innings against the. Marlins in that in in that game, but they obviously ended up winning twelve ten. So um, that's even though that's five runs and five innings is terrible. The the bullpen ended up coming out with the win, so which is uh, um, how baseball works sometimes, I guess. But it's, you know they've been largely fine since, especially since uh, Patrick Corbin just continues to be pretty consistent. He's had one or two dicey starts um, this month, including I think he gave up three and six innings against the Mets, which is doesn't not a terrible start, but you know, it's for him it's bad. You know, he's a he's an ace, isn't he? So he's an ace that's the third best picture on his staff. So it's yeah. um, it's um but he was magnificent, you know, nine innings, four hits, one walk, and a complete game victory. A shutout rather I should say. But yeah, offensively they've just been ridiculous the last week or so, uh, the Nationals. Um Narendra's come back has been great. Turner's come back, he's been solid without being that outstanding. He's just like he's cleaning his way back in. He's, you know, he, he's hitting as well. He's more, he's not walking a great deal, but he's hitting. Uh, Dozier's even, you know, for him, you know, he's getting on a bit of a run um, uh, in terms of just getting on base a bit more, really, because he had a terrible start and he's just building it up a little bit. Um, Howie Kendrick just continues to hit. He's been magnificent, but he's been probably their most consistent hitter all season, really, apart from yeah. Render. So it was. Just been absolutely insane, yeah. And then, but Juan Soto recently has just gone off. You know, he's uh, 13 for his last 20, 26 with six walks. He's over that time, so 
it's uh, so an on-base percentage of just under 600 in that time. So, and even if you stretch it over two weeks, it's um, he's 22 for his last 49 with eight walks. So he's um, with an on-base percentage of over 500 in the last two weeks, with an OPS of 1300 in that time. So they're, they're starting to hit now as well the Nationals. So um, they're starting to get people together. They can do with Robles maybe hitting for. Bit more power maybe he's getting on base a fair deal but he's uh, he's not hitting a great deal and um, so they could do with him just lighting up a little bit if they are gonna just um make this season look a little bit more respectable but um yeah encouraging signs for them and although we, i mean i said the reds have been hitting quite a bit recently as well i think so it's um it could be a, a slugfest of a series um that one could the white Sox. You never know what, what's going to happen. If I don't know whether Lucas Giolito is going to be pitching in that one. If he, if he is, that'll be a great test for the uh, Nationals' offense, obviously, because Giolito, I think, was I can't remember which trade it was, but he obviously came from the Nationals. Um, I want to say it was the Adam Eaton deal. I think. It was the it was the Adam Eaton deal, yeah. Which still, to me, um, was not one I think was a particularly good one for uh, Washington, but um, yeah. Because it was uh, Gilito, Ronaldo Lopez, Dane Dunning for Adam Eaton. Now, Lopez has been okay. Um, Dane Dunning, I won't lie, I've never heard of. Um, I don't even know if he's uh, ever made the majors. But, um, yeah, obviously Gilito was the big piece. And it's going to be interesting to see what happens if he if he's there. But, yeah, I, I, I didn't like that deal at the time, to be honest. But, um yeah, like I think with Washington, it kind of goes back to this. This week has been what we expected from the Nationals, but they've got to prove to us that they can do it for more than a week. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll need to see. We'll need to see what happens. Uh, the jury is obviously more than still out, considering they're still um, eight games under. Uh, the Phillies blew their opportunity at a run there. They they had the bases loaded with one out. Cesar Hernandez lined out the shortstop. Who, because it was hit so hard, Harper was far enough off the base that he got tagged off. So, yeah, this game could be frustrating. That's twice Cesar's left the bases. Yeah, I was going to say twice Cesar's left the bases loaded. He actually grounded into a fielder's choice to score a run um, the last time. But uh, yeah, um, some signs for Washington. So we'll see. We'll see what happens over the next wee while. We need to see this for more than a week, obviously. Otherwise, they are just going to fade into mediocrity. But you got to start somewhere, and this is a start. The Marlins, uh, we talked a lot about them last week because they were surging. Um, they obviously had won six in a row when we did last week's podcast. They then promptly lost the next three to the aforementioned Nationals, though they did win the fourth game. And uh, since then, they are uh, playing the Giants. They have won the first two games, and they are currently leading uh, game number three, 1-0 in the sixth inning. So, um, some... Interesting baseball from the Marlins recently. They um, they are wonderfully inconsistent in that they just seem to be streaking at the moment, but it just keeps going in different directions. Now, uh, in fairness, we talked about the pitching last week, and it still remained pretty good. Um, they, um, obviously, there was the, the 12 runs against the Nationals that time, but, I mean, this Giants series... Uh, sorry, the last four games, they gave up two, then three, then two, and so far, they've given up nothing through six innings today. So, um, some really, really positive signs from uh, the young starters with the Marlins. The offense has had its moments. I still think they're a bad team, obviously. That's not going to change, but uh, they are starting to, the last couple of weeks, 
really make themselves worth talking about on this podcast. And I'm kind of happy about that. Yeah, me too. I mean, I said it's obviously in the past week, the, what we usually talk about with the Marlins has flipped. I mean, the, um, obviously the, the 12 runs probably played a big part in this with the ERA of the last six games. It was uh, 5.65. Not good. I mean, going into this game, and I said that is mostly on that 12 run. Well, I said they lost 9-6 as well. So they had a couple of bad ones. But apart from that, you know, they've had four good outings recently. And um, But I said the, offensively, they were hitting over 300 in their last six games. So it's, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I said that's mostly down to, I mean, they've got bought up a new, um, they signed Harold Ramirez like to a minor league deal in November, I think. And then they, um, uh, I think he was a former Blue Jay, I think. And he's just come in and he's just straight out hitting. I saw him against the um, the Nats. And he just, he's like a little bit like Jeff McNeil, really. Nothing really flashed to him, not a great deal of power. That doesn't look like he's got going to ever hit for much, but it looks like he looks a good, solid hitter and looks like he just, you know, he was, he didn't look phased when he was facing Scherzer. He was just lying right up the middle and, he just looks a very solid hitter. He's 18 for his last 43. Uh, so a nice start to his MLB career. Um, uh, Jorge Alfaro, he's um, streaky. He looks like he's going to be a bit of a streaky guy. But again, he's a catcher, isn't he? So I think catchers are going to be like that. But um, um, he's 14 for his last 37 with three homers. And, you know, he's had streaks this season where he's been good. And so other streaks where he's looked uh, pretty average. So but uh, over and all, I think I'll the, the Marlins will be very happy with what they're getting out of him, and and um, you know, there's you know even the odd talk. I don't know whether it's just internet rumors, but there's, there's talk that Urena might be uh, made available yeah, this um, uh, this this summer before the trade deadline. I mean, he's been pitching better and better almost all the time. I mean, he started the season terribly, but he seems to be really hitting his straps recently. He pitched beautifully against the Nationals and. And um, uh, just really, I, I loved how he pitches, actually, because it's just, because I like guys who get on with it, but it doesn't look rushed. He gets on with it, but he doesn't, he doesn't look rushed. He just sort of like, he's very swift in his, all his actions and everything. So it's, um, yeah, he looks very solid. Again, and I think obviously Neil Walker's been really, really consistent. He had a great game against the Nationals with a couple of doubles and a single, he just straight out hits. And I said at the start of the season, I thought Neil would, if he could be, be a decent trade chip at a deadline, and um, and I nothing that's happened so far has dissuaded me from thinking that would be. I'm not suggesting they're going to get like superstar elite prospects for Neil Walker. Of course they won't, but I think they should be able to get you know the odd decent player back because I think for a contending team, Neil Walker could be a very handy you know guy to have. You know, a switch hitter, probably better from the left side, um, a, a guy to have um, maybe coming off the bench, and so I think that. You know they could do some do something there. They could get something back for Urena. I mean he's probably the oldest of the uh, of their young rotation. So yeah, a lot of I mean they said the three and three over the past six uh, games. But been pretty pretty had a pretty good couple of weeks. The Marlins after a, let's just face it, a bit of a tire fire of a start to the season. So but yeah, just definite positive signs for the Marlins going forward. I think. Definitely, definitely, and I think I think Urena is one of those guys who um, you you got to strike while the iron's hot if you're going to trade them. If you're going to trade them, I, I, too many teams do this, right? They decide that a guy's going to be a trade chip, and then they just take the best possible deal. 
Whereas with Urena, like the Marlins have got to be smart because he's still reasonably well cost controlled. So if you don't get an offer, just keep him because there's you don't have to get rid of him. So um, they've got to be smart about that one and uh, make sure they get someone back for him. And if they can strike while the iron's hot, even better. Um, I, this this Phillies game is starting to slip away. Uh, the only thing worse than uh, lining into a double play with the bases loaded and one out is then uh, immediately serving up a two-run bomb to Jed Jerko. It's 4-1 Cardinals, and that sucks, but what can you do? Um, so uh, we will start wrapping up just now. Um, the next week or so, we... There's, there, there's, there's some intrigue over the next week, but still, again, there's not enough series between uh, National League East teams, and we need more of that, to be honest, because we're kind of in that portion of the schedule where uh, there's a lot of games against the Central or the West or even, you know, some uh, the odd interleague game here and there. I want some proper National League baseball. I wanted, like, opening series. You know, when the Phillies played the Braves and the Mets played the Nats, I want, I want a few days like that because we've not had that in a while, and I would quite like to see that again. But um, so far... Uh, remaining an interesting season in uh, the National League East. Uh, for those of you who listened to the podcast last week, um, apologies that it came up as late as it did. We had some hosting issues on the website, which were a pain in the arse. We've actually taken the podcast off the website uh, and made it available in a lot of different places. So uh, some of you will be listening to this on iTunes. Keep your subscription there. That would be fantastic. Uh, we are also, let me just bring up the list because we're on a few different places at the moment. Uh, let's see. So we are. If I could do this quickly, then life would be great. I, I, I was trying my best to honestly um, do this smoothly, and I fucked up. I know we're we're on uh, Spotify. We are on. Here we go. We're on Google Podcasts. We're on Breaker. We're on Radio Public, and we're still waiting for clearance elsewhere. So uh, just go and search. You got to believe on all those uh, all those platforms, whatever your favorite platform is. And uh, give us a little review as well. Uh, tell us we're great so other people see it. Tell us what we're doing shit and we'll do it better. Uh, Thomas, again, always a pleasure to talk baseball with you. Thanks for having me, Jody. Always a pleasure. And uh, we will talk to you guys next week. <laughs>